Welcome back to Cock and Ball. As the window slams shut, we have some incredible deals for you. My name's Ashley, and joining me today is a man who, like a double uh, glazing salesman, I often put the phone down on. It's Jules. How you doing, mate? Good evening, buddy. How are we? Yeah, really, really well. And today, uh, only for you, we've got a buy one, get one free deal. Uh, later on, we'll be joined by my brother, Chris, the uh, Serie A guru, as we like to call him. But first, we've got a very special guest helping us see clearly through the glass with a soapy sponge from the Hot Spurs podcast. It's Steve. How you doing, mate? Yeah, great. Thanks very much for having me on. Um, oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I was listening to a show about a month ago and it was Flav uh, from the Fighting Cock, obviously good friend. And he um, he said, uh, you know, he, he asked you guys to be on and I was like, oh, brilliant. That's the way to do things. <laughs> and, uh, I was speaking to Colin, who does our podcast with us, and he's He's always like, how many people listen? How many? And I don't really look at it. I, I just, it's just a phone call between me and Colin when we do the show, and mm. I don't really look at the figures and everything. I used to back in the day, but not anymore. And um, and and he said, no, we need to get the numbers up. And I was like, all right then. So <laughs> I was lucky enough to go on uh, Last Word on Spurs a few weeks ago. Yeah, I heard. And uh, and then um, yeah, got in touch with you lot and said, come on, if you have Flav on, <laughs> come on as well, please. <laughs> Yeah, I don't think we're going to be pulling the same sort of numbers as uh, last word on Spurs, but it's still a pleasure (laughs) to have you on. But uh, no, it's very professional so far, so well done. Yeah, Yeah, when we we had Flav on, we asked him a few questions just to sort of get to know him and see what his sort of Spurs history is. So if you don't mind, we'll ask you some of the same questions. Yeah, absolutely. I won't uh, be swearing as much as Flav, though. Sorry about that. I don't think anyone does. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Ketchup, mayo or ban the lot? Ketchup, mayo, or what? Or ban a lot of them. Oh, no. Uh, but can I say both? Yeah, sure. Bit of burger sauce, basically. Is that, <laughs> is that, I was, I was going to say, is that mixed together, or is that that you like to alternate your dipping style? Two no, like a bacon, bacon sandwich. Bacon sandwich, I both nowadays, yeah. Always ketchup, but mm. uh, sometimes a bit of mayo <laughs> as well, yeah. Going to upset a lot of the brown sauce people with that one there, Steve. No, I like brown sauce too, but that wasn't on the, the option, was it? <laughs> I like all the sauces. I, I'll tell you, that's another thing me and Flav have got in common. He loves the sauce aisle, always talks yeah. about it. I spend I spend ages in that sauce aisle picking out different barbecue sauces, and, and my favourite is Frank's Red Hot. Beautiful. Nice. I'm a bit watch, boring. I'm uh, Italian, so it's just olive oil and salt for me. That I do. <laughs> super, super simple. You should give, uh, what's it, hot, hot wings on YouTube. Maybe Ash, we need to sort of spin off from here, and we can do some hot, I know, cold condiments. Find a, find oh, a new I, way. I, I, I'm obsessed with uh, buffalo wings, so yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad you mentioned chicken, because the next one is Chick King or Sam's. Never been, never been to Chick King. Uh, Sam's or Sam's. I think that's a, it's like a, it's like a knockoff KFC, isn't it? It was me and me and Tom <laughs> used to have a ritual before every what, game would go there. Yeah, yeah, it's at Tottenham. It's right, on the, right, on the right, high street. Never been there. Yeah, I, think, I, mean, I remember there's a Sam's and... tires near to where we parked <laughs> at times. Uh, but that's, uh, that's just up the road. That's in between where we park uh, at, the, at the sports centre and Northumberland uh, Park Station. There's, there's a Sam's tyres there. But no, never had a Chick King, which is awful. I, I like my prawn sandwiches too much in the ground. Prawn sandwich? Never. I don't know how to feel about that. Do, they, what, do you bring them, bring them with you or do they sell them there? No, I don't, don't sell them. Get a free lunch, my friend. <laughs> thanks, thanks to my dad. Now, what happened was a few years ago, what, many years ago, 91, 1991, he, he, uh, he, he got two season tickets, one for him and one for me or my brother. 
luckily around that time my brother got into fishing so uh, <laughs> he, he decided to do that and uh, me and my dad went for years and years and then as my dad got older and older he sort of said oh do you know the game's on telly take a mate and uh, now he, he says I'll oh, just take you take you take my boy he says yeah take you two have a great time and uh, luckily uh, he, he still supplies us with uh, fantastic seats with all the uh, with all the uh, bits of lunch uh, all included. So it's wonderful. It's not quite collar and tie. I'm not I'm not sitting next to Lee or anything. But uh, you know I'm with uh, I'm with uh, uh, I saw him at the majestic the other day. He uh, he was sitting there um, and uh, yeah no it's very very nice. Thank you very much. <laughs> Justin, you get your own little pre-match ritual because me, me and Tom used to always go to Sam's and then there was like a time we stopped. We, we missed one game where we didn't go to Sam's and Tottenham lost and we're like, that's it. We have to go to Sam's every single game now because otherwise you know, that superstition just sort of built up. You definitely find your superstitions. I think Sam's I've also been to with Tom. He's our, he's our sort of uh, person in the middle, so to speak. Um, but I think... I think my new pre-match ritual is just getting in the stadium early and just sort of soaking up the atmosphere. Like ever, ever since we've had the new stadium to go into, and you just go in and just sit there and watch it just filling up. The noise incrementally, like as you get to the final moment, as you get to kick off, is just it's just amazing. Um, it's, it's, but no, it's, it's probably changed. Classic. It's, it's absolutely it's brilliant. Recently. Stadium. I mean, as I say, luckily enough, we got some nice tickets. But um, uh, when when, uh, when my dad does go, he goes with my my son or or, or, or um, someone else, and I, I have to get an extra ticket. And uh, so I sort of go around the main stadium, and it's wonderful. Just I just walk round and round and round, and but uh, you know, it's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Yeah, I had a discussion. Well, I say a discussion. There was I can't remember. Well, someone slagging off the new stadium the other day, calling it like a tourist bowl. Basically saying they want the old White Lane back. So like, I get that because you know you've got you've got memories at the old White Lane, but you can't be slagging off the new stadium. Well, the it's last unreal. season at White Hart Lane was wonderful, and and maybe yeah. the, the couple before that. But I certainly sat there for a good 10, 15 years in a in <laughs> you know watching Jason Cundy and people like that. Uh, and uh, you know, and and I did all, I did used to go to the Bell and Hare, of course, uh, for many years as well, and that was fantastic out the back. Uh, yeah. Until they put the prices up ridiculously, um, <laughs> you know, more expensive in there than it is in the stadium. But um, uh, no, absolutely love the stadium, uh, loved old White Hart Lane. But as I said, this, the, you know, people saying that, uh, you know, the, the, the new stadium's not as good as the old one because of the atmosphere and everything. Well, sorry, but I sat in that White Hart Lane for years when there was nobody singing. So I don't know what that's all about. Oh, well, the nineties, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was a, it, yeah, it was a. Sh- conversation to be having to be honest I found myself driving going a little bit nuts but I think the next question was a bit more relevant back at the back when Conte had just taken over but it was Nando's or Bella Italia for me it's Nando's sticking with the chicken all the way yeah (laughs) (laughs) chicken in chicken in pitta with uh, extra hot sauce oh I like the garlic sauce as well because that's that's hot as well and uh very with a super bock is that the beer they do there I haven't been in so long. I have no idea. <laughs> so I'm oh, sure you're a Londoner. <laughs> you must have been recently. <laughs> must, have, must have been recently. Uh, I went uh, to the Villa game. Uh, was my most recent one. Um, and I absolutely loved that. Um, that was an amazing day, uh, day out. And you can just see, I think on that day, it's the first time I've seen Son play quite like that in person. He just seemed electric that day. It was, it was unbelievable to watch. Um, but you're going to be going to the Southampton game 
aren't you uh, next week ash um you and uh you and the missus yeah yeah the first time i've taken her to a game in a long time I managed to get a couple of tickets for the uh the southampton midweek game and i can't can't wait to be honest even i don't care where the tickets are even if they could be up in the gods or right down the front it's just nice to be able to go and uh watch the game I'm not, i don't know what to expect anymore we were talking about pre-match rituals before and i think the last time i went i went to the leeds game but before that hadn't been in ages and uh, my ritual used to involve just sort of sitting there for a minute and just uh, preparing myself for the utter shit show that was, that was about to be put on display. Just like, just consoling myself in preparation for utter misery, but not expecting that anymore. Um, <laughs> the Conte's come in. <laughs> what was that the Leeds game? Uh, nah, before the Leeds game. That's that's what that, that's the, the Leeds game is the moment it changed for me. I didn't have to uh, didn't have to pray pre-game for at least. Was that, the, was that the Leeds game where they were absolutely fantastic and we we beat them three 0 But wow, what a performance by Leeds! Was that that one? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, the ones where they had um they had a centre mid at centre back and without a striker. I think it was a winger and centre mid as well, and they oh. played us off the park for about sixty minutes. Yeah. I, no, I love it. The new stadium is uh, is is brilliant for me. I I absolutely love it. Um, and like you say, you can sit anywhere. Up in the gods, I've sat up in the gods. I've been down low. I've been 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 all round. And uh, there's not a bad seat in the house, in my opinion. Um, now, what was what's your first memory of going into that stadium? Because my, I was I went during the um, I managed to get tickets for the Legends game before it actually yeah, opened too. up. And it was um, I just remember going. I was I was in a south stand, and I remember. You could just hear the sound. Even in that game, there was only like three quarters, not even three quarters full. You could almost hear the sound coming through the like the bottom of the seats as you're going in. It was just just absolutely breathtaking. Like just you could feel the vibration and everything. And you managed to go re- quite fairly recently, Jules, didn't you, for the first time? First time was the Villa one, yeah. Um, I've yeah. now got two different sets of mates who quite regularly get tickets, so I'm going to try and sneak in with them whenever whenever I can. Um, it's also I I miss going to um. I used to go occasionally with Fen when we were at uni, who's the, the sort of one of the extra men on the pod who, who could, can't can't be here tonight. And um, we used to go to quite a lot of the away games uh, in the cup because when we were at uni, it was it was cheap and for some reason easy to get away tickets. We used to go. I remember going to watch us beat uh, Sheffield United two one in Christian Eriksen's in the snow. Yeah, in the snow, and then we got snowed in in Sheffield as two students, and that was absolutely insane. It was brilliant. Um, but no, I think that in the new stadium, it's only Villa so far, but uh, fingers crossed another one very soon. Yeah, we're talking of sort of bygone eras there, aren't we? Completely different teams. And I'm, I'm glad you brought that one up, Alp, actually, because um, Steve, I wanted to know that with the uh, with the departure of Deli Alley, we, we probably have seen the end of what feels like the Poch era like it's actually come to an end now. Yeah. Um, I the Champions League final, I think there's only four people who started that game that are still at the squad. But what for you, what was the, the favourite generation that you watched playing? Regardless of, well, it might not be important for trophies like it is for some people, but just what, what generation do you remember? What sort of players that really thrilled you when you went? Well, I mean, it's important... Um... <laughs> Whenever you see this trophies thing, top four thing, um, of course, it was Arsenal that started it uh, back when they weren't winning trophies. Um, and they were saying, telling everybody that fourth was a trophy. And we as Spurs fans were saying, well, no, not really. We won the League Cup and uh, it had been years and years since they, they'd won a cup. And we were sort of goading them saying, you know, we've won a trophy. You haven't won anything. And they were saying, well, top four. Uh, you know, is better than winning that League Cup. Um, well, I hold my hands up now and I'll, I'll say, you're absolutely right. 
because I think that finishing top four, particularly this season, is going to be a fantastic achievement. Because what it entails, and, and, and this, this, this forms my answer, is um, what it entails, if you finish fourth, if we finish fourth this year, what that will mean is that we're going to have to beat Arsenal. We're going to have to get a result at Man United, uh, probably at, at City or Liverpool, one of those two. We're going to have to beat everybody else. We're definitely going to have to beat West Ham. Um, and basically what we've got, 17, 18 games left. We're going to have to win, um, you know, probably 12, 13 of them to get into that top four. And what, what that means is that every Monday morning we get to go into work and with our arms aloft and go, right, what another, what another win, fantastic. <laughs> now, the trouble is, 2008, when we last won a cup, um, we were going, you know, uh, going into work, basically, you know, a lot of people at school, sorry if you, you maybe you guys were, <laughs> I was going to work and being miserable. And yeah, okay, I went into work after we beat Chelsea and, and after we beat uh, Arsenal in the semi-final. Uh, and it was, you know, yay, we've won. But every other every other week we were losing. So it was miserable. <laughs> so my answer is that, that uh, you know, the last four, four or five seasons, winning week in, week out, absolutely mm. fantastic. Um, no better time for me uh, because it was just winning week, winning week in, week out um, is, is a brilliant feeling. Um, so yeah, last last three or four years uh, up until Poch went. Yeah, it's not really a feeling that we've had often, is it? Winning week in week out. I mean, I must confess, when I was about four years old, like my my family came over from Italy, so like, I didn't have like someone to follow in terms of to pick a club, even though we were sort of born and brought up in Enfield. So um, being being a four year old and seeing the teams that were winning, I wanted to like get a Man United shirt and be a Man United fan because I'm a piece of shit. But um, <laughs> I was I was sort of ended up being brought over to the Lily White side and um the first sort of ten years I guess was just utter dross, wasn't it? We just it was like late nineties, early two thousands. We were if we had a positive goal difference, it was a fantastic season. Yeah. So the first season that we sort of really broke that duck and actually started to uh grab people's attentions were like the Martin 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 Yold years. Yeah. So for me they always just have the and I was at the, the game where he got sacked at half time and listening to the first time I really heard White Lane get behind one person like that. I think for me, it's got to be it's got to be those years. And it's just we just seem to be the fairy tale team at that time more than we've been before. And it's just, yeah, real taste of uh, that Spursy success, by which I mean not actually winning anything, but looking all right for a bit. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, it's it's it's. Uh, uh, it, what what people don't talk about is is what it what it means um, you know on a, living your life on a daily basis that's the thing you know winning a trophy is wonderful of course it's it's absolutely brilliant um, but we, what do we do we beat uh, we beat Chelsea uh, which was brilliant and Arsenal was the greatest game I've ever been to the five one yeah. um, but after that didn't we win one out of the last twelve or something and then our yeah. two strikers Berbatov and Keane went. So all this, all this stuff about, um, you know, you win a trophy, then you might win more and everything. Well, I've been there where we've won trophies and all our best players wanted to leave. Like, you know, they, they, they all we've wanted seen, to go. And We've seen Wigan win a cup and get relegated. So it's obviously not a precursor for further success well, necessarily, is it? It's it's also, I think Steve mentions there, a couple of my, my favourites. I, I, I was a big Berbatov fan. Uh, he was always just like my uh, sort of one that I just couldn't couldn't help but love watching. But 
those teams, I think we had some great individual players which were easier to pick off. But what was different in the last five years is you've had a manager create a team that's that good. But none of the none of the players I think are as good that's sort of separated from. I don't think you know other these players would have had the same career and the same uh, sort of level if they had been on their own or at different clubs or had been sold. I mean, there's something special about that group being brought together by that manager. Whereas in previous eras, you had individuals who are exceptionally talented in a team rather than one unified group if that makes sense absolutely yes yeah, absolutely. Yeah. it was Klinsman at one point then it was Ginola um and you know Gazza and Lineker in a, in, in a team of not very you know you know good players you know David House is a good player Vinnie Samway is a good player but um you know not not yeah great players and of course no. um I think I think it all started. Martin Yole started started getting good players, and then I think Harry Redknapp took us to a next level um, because mm. he was an outsider. I think mm. he came in, and, and I say this quite a lot. The first thing he did was he said, right, well, no, I know what Tottenham are. Tottenham are a glamour club, and they've got no steel. And he went and bought Palacios, and for that first season, um, and, you know, he, sort of, he I, bought I, steel. <laughs> it, well, I think his brother uh, died or something, and it, and it completely yeah, changed yeah. everything. Um, but for that season, I remember him came. I think his debut was against Arsenal, and he made a tackle after a couple of minutes. And we all looked around at each other and went, "Oh my goodness, there's someone who can tackle. That's new." And uh, he was absolutely brilliant. And do you remember when he got sent off? I think against Portsmouth in that mm. dreadful semi-final, and we all just went, "Well, that's it. We, you know, we've blown it now." Um, and uh, Tom Huddleston stepped up. So, that, you know, uh, there's another uh, player that um, has been that's, on lots of podcasts recently, but that goes down another road. That's a different story. <laughs> I saw um, Jermaine Defoe being interviewed about Palacios, actually, and apparently he just said, Redknapp used to just say to him, just make the tackle and just pass the ball to Modric. Wherever, wherever you are on the pitch, just turn around and just give it to Luca. And that's it. That's all that- you've got. All the other ten players, though, didn't he? To be fair, get the ball, <laughs> give it to Modric. Give the ball to Modric, no matter where you are on the pitch, and he'll deal with it. That seemed to be the the genius plan. Yeah, it's funny I, how we somebody sort of told attach. me a good story about uh, Red Nat saying to Gareth Bale because you remember Gareth Bale used to put a little hair clip in his hair when mm. uh, when they when they when he first went there, and um, apparently he said to him, "Look, you know, sort yourself, <laughs> sort yourself out. You haven't won a game in 26 games or something." And uh, he said, go and get your hair cut. And he said, oh, I can't because I've got the, my sticky out ears. And uh, so he <laughs> said, right, well, I'll tell you what, get your, get, get your ears pinned back and then you can have it. And it's oh, unbelievable. And, uh, <laughs> oh, this, and this is someone who works out at the club told me all this. And I was like, blimey. I think so. so there we go. But it's not all about haircuts. We're not going to talk about that. Pinning, pinning back the ears, there's hope for me yet, Ash. <laughs> I'm not sure there's enough pins in the world, mate. Yeah, but, I think, <laughs> but I think Harry Redknapp, you know, as I say, an outsider came in and and he sort of and he and he just said, look, this team needs someone who can tackle. They've got enough enough attacking players. They've always had attacking players. If we can get someone that can tackle, and uh, and, and that was that. And um, you know, uh, uh, we've got plenty of people that can tackle now. But have we got any creativity, lads? I mean, I just don't, I don't, I can't see it. But uh, tricky. Yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I, this is another fight I've been having with a lot of people. I'm, I've been quite angry with it recently. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's, here's the thing, right? I've, I've recently handed in my notice at work, so I had a lot of spare time on my hands. So I haven't really been <laughs> applying myself fully, shall I say. Um, and yeah, this is a conversation I've had a lot. And I think it comes back because um, 
like I said, my family's Italian and we're, we're Inter Milan fans. So I've seen a bit of Conte. And um, yeah, we, we do. We do lack a bit of creativity in midfield. But Conte's sides don't necessarily rely on creativity in midfield. And um, we, we've got, we seem to have this issue at the moment in Tottenham. And we, we had when Modric left, but that was a bit different. But we're still looking for that Ericsson replacement. And as, as fans, we're almost obsessed with having an Ericsson replacement, which to a degree I understand. And... Um, and of course, the better, obviously, the better players you have, the better they will perform in a system. But they also need to be suitable for that system, which is why it took Ericsson a year, year and a half to get into Conte's side. But um, I just think the important thing with Conte is that the midfielders are capable on the ball, uh, well, competent on the ball. Just to get the ball, they give it to the wing-backs who make runs and the forwards. The creativity comes from the runs of the forward, is what I'm trying to say here, but really struggling mm. because... Uh, I barely sp- I speak two languages, but neither fully. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's it's a it's an interesting point though that I think we used to rely on having one individual creator more, and now football as a whole has moved in a direction where I think quite often teams find ways of being creative without necessarily one individual. Um, so it's just kind of a different setup. But who knows? Maybe Bentaka could be interesting. I, I really like Kuliseski when I watch him play. Um, he seems to like carry the ball between lines really well. And I think if you've got a player, I always think, you know, I, I can't say I watch Gazza in person, but whenever I see footage of him, his ability to beat a man in a certain, in that middle congested area of the pitch and drive beyond suddenly opens up numbers and opportunities and angles. So maybe we need a bit more of that willingness to run with the ball. So I always feel we're, we're a bit cautious about it. I think Gazza's greatest strength was demanding the ball, um, saying, give it to me. And over the years, just watching these midfielders, uh, you know, Ndombele being the the worst one in recent times of pointing, telling the centre-back to pass it to somebody else uh, rather than him. So if we can, if I don't, I have, I've never seen either of the Juventus boys kick a ball. So I haven't got a clue what either of them are like. Um, but oh, uh, that tell a lie. I've seen uh, Bentacor, uh kick one ball into the net against Venezuela the other day. Um, <laughs> that's the only that's the only kick I've seen him do, which was good. Nice little goal that. Uh, so yeah. is he an attacking midfielder? Because I thought he was a central defender. Nah. that's so much no, I know. He's, he's no, no. He's, he's um. Go on, Jules. Go on. He's he's <laughs> he's, he's a he's a <laughs> classic. Uh, He's he's a central midfielder who, I guess, brings pretty much a very rounded skill set. So he's good at all the kind of technical parts of the game. But I think what sets him out is that he's actually quite tall. He's like 6'2", and he breaks the lines really effectively. So he's one of those kind of quite rangy runners where if he can get the ball in the right amount of space, he's actually going to break in between people. Um, he's known for, I guess, just doing all the defensive parts really effectively and then usually giving the ball. I wouldn't say his passing range is, is amazing, but I think... In a system like Conte's, where if he wins the ball in areas of the pitch and can drive and then release a cane or release a son, that's where I think he'll he'll really add value. And the other lad's much more pure creative, pure attacking midfielder. And why have Juventus got rid of both of them? Ash. Juventus are a mess. Juventus are an absolute mess. I've seen there's a lot of things going on at the moment about um, how few appearances they've got. But um, this is the worst, most uncohesive Juventus team of the last decade and since um since Pirlo went in and now Allegri they've just got this system that just doesn't seem to suit any of their players 
So um, Kuliseski's a perfectly good player, but he's he's more either a number 10 or like an attacking right winger in a front three. But you've ever been playing 4-4-2 with him as a striker. So it just doesn't really work. And when he, when he plays, he's been coming off the bench because um, just because of the other players they've got, essentially. And same with Bentacor. So obviously we mentioned he's got quite a rounded skill set. But we saw his best performances for Juve when it was a midfield three rather than rather than the two. He has he's not quite as effective in the two um as he is in the three. And um they've just preferred to go with Western McKenney, who have also been linked with um as well. It's just it's just one of those things. Juventus are this team that are supposed to be the cream of the crop. So you'd expect them to have two or three players in every position that any other team would dream of having. So it's not it's not I don't think we should be ashamed of having even if we're gonna call them cast offs, which which is a bit unfair. To be a, you know, there's no shame of taking the cast off of a Juve or a Bayern or a Barca. Do you know what I mean? Okay. All That's right. That's my thoughts anyway. Convince me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, enough of uh, enough of the footballer. Who want, nobody wants to hear us talk about football. What do we know? Um, so, but Kulisewski and um, Bentancur are both the second players from their nations, respectively, to represent Spurs. Wonder Steve, if you know which nation has had the most players represent Spurs other than England. What, as in uh, not home. not not home nations? No, that's right. Well, uh, is it is it Argentina? It's not the worst guess. They come in third with six. Right. Okay. Uh, probably that's right. Okay. Well, you put me on the spot here, um, <laughs> and okay, obviously it's not—it's uh, it, 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 not Ireland that would be included in the. Uh, that? Ireland, Ireland are second with eleven. Second Ireland is second with eleven. Any indication? Yeah. Uh, but I can't have Scotland, Wales, because that's—that's part. They're not—they're not in it anyway. We, haven't it. Ha- we actually haven't had that many Scots or Welsh. As right, well, France, France then must be France. It is France with fourteen. It seems like a lot looking back. I, I don't know if I can name 14. I can name first? Steve Nobrand. Can you name the first? Uh, I've, I've, <laughs> I've, I've, I've got a list in front of me. <laughs> um, well, let's see if know. we can do it. Come on, then. Come sure. on, Jules. Well, one, one, between... Jules, one for one. Okay. You go Jordan, first. You go first. Okay. <laughs> right. uh, uh, Steve Nobrand. Yeah. Oh, dear. Okay. Uh, Larice. Yeah. And Dombele. Ginola. Pascal Chimbonda. Oh, I was going to go for him. <laughs> That's fine. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Struggling. Uh, Paramount. Paramount. It was yeah. he French? Yeah. He oh, was French, Christ. Noah. Sick. <laughs> Where did I pull that one out from? Enkudu. <laughs> uh, That's the obvious ones. You're going to be kicking yourself. Kudu, yeah, yes. Uh, what about uh, Tarabat? Tarab, No, he's a Tunisian or a Moroccan. No. Technically. Uh, what about Enjoy? Is he? No, he's he's African as well, isn't he? Yeah, he was Cameroon. Cameroonian. Uh, Cameroonian. This is the same. I'm, I'm I'm hitting the same same thing there. The couple of players. I'm just think, trying to remember. Think Champions League final. First minute. Oh, Suzuko. Yes. Yeah. Oh, and uh, Oria. Oria. Oria's yeah. Ivory Coast. Oh, was he? Yeah. What am I yeah. doing? What, what about... We stole um, one from Arsenal. And Chelsea played for before, centre-back. Oh, William Gallas. Etienne Capoue. Etienne Capoue. There was another... Uh, you said in Kudu, didn't you? Yeah. 
That's said in Kudu. Um, there was another centre mid that came in with the beat of the uh, bail money, which didn't last very long at all. Stambouli. Stambouli. And then there was a striker that came in with Ryan Nelson during that famous transfer window. Saha. There is Saha. We got there. Boom. Wow. That's quite That's bad. Quite how, many those, how many of those could you say was a success? Maybe three? <laughs> <laughs> oh, we forgot Eunice Kabul. Well, well, the important thing is we got Lloris in the door. So if France <laughs> has given us anything, it's given us our best ever goalkeeper and probably someone who will have until the end of his career. Um, how many of the Archies can we know? And Kabul was awful, but he's a legend just for that goal. Just for that yeah. one goal. That's the <laughs> Arsenal goal. That's all that matters. We won that game 3-2 because exactly. of Kabul. That's, all, that's how, all that matters. How many of the Archies uh, can we name, Steve? Yeah. How many what, sorry? Of the Argentinians. There are six oh, Argentinians. Six Argentinians. Okay, well. Uh, oh, no, okay. Tell there were seven. I miscounted. Seven? <laughs> I forgot okay. the most recent okay. one. Well, you know, Ozzy. Lamella. Ricky. Oh, what? Those two aren't even on the list. This is a shit list. <laughs> Christian, <laughs> Christian Romero. Fourth. Oh, good shout. Uh, is Casaniga? Yeah. Argentinian? Yeah. 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 Backup keeper. Same town as Maurizio. Yeah. Uh, Lucelso. Yeah. Oh, he loves Argentina, <laughs> doesn't he? He loves Argentina. <laughs> loves the Archies. Oh, um, I've got one. Maradona. For <laughs> <laughs> one day only. Come on, um, yeah. Who are we missing, Ash? Any hints? We're missing Tarico. Ah, uh, yes. And, and uh, uh, no, Poyet's Uruguay, right? Yeah, Uruguay. Uruguay. yeah. Uh, we're missing the uh, lanky streak of piss at centre back that we bought instead of um, oh, Federico Fazio. That's the one, Federico Fazio. See, I, I think we said Lamella as well, didn't we? Yeah. <laughs> I think that's a strong. I don't know. Is that a stronger list than the French list we got? I think the French team would beat that team in a game of five side. Yeah, I think any team would beat that team in a game of five side. Carry on, just be one sec. <laughs> Carry on. No worries. <laughs> Yes, saying how many? Why? What is it? Why have we got so many French players? What, you're French, Jules. We just we just get everyone, mate. Um, we just infiltrate. <laughs> uh, I, I presume historically it's more as well. Just the I think French players some of the some of the first to come over to England and play quite a lot in the English league is because it was the easiest one to travel to and to scout. So mm. in the in the nineties when a lot of players came in, the the French were very common. I guess. Um, but recent history, I don't know why. I also wonder, as a manager, do you ever like to have a little collective from the same nation if you feel it will make them easier? Like, I don't know. Little clicks. Well, well, we had the Belgian sort of subset, didn't we, at one point? We had yeah. Toby Alderweireld, Jan Vertonghen, Nasser Chadli, um, someone else. Moussa Dembele. Moussa so here's, Dembele. Here's, here's my question, bringing it back to, back, back to now. Why hasn't uh, Conte bought any Italian players? Ah, because we're shit at the moment. <laughs> we won, we won the Euros, and then we're like, I do. <laughs> I think he's also uh, it, Conte's gone and bought a lot of people back from well from Juventus, which is his old stomping ground, right? Like he's you know he's bought in two of his ex players now. He's bought in his old director of football. He's bought in half the coaching staff by the sounds of things. And if he's going to bring anyone else in this summer, it sounds like he wants to go to Inter Milan and buy some of their players. So I think Conte is bringing in people he knows. It's just he's not worried about them being Italian. He's worried about them being 
Conte sort of a Conte mindset already. Don't know if you've seen the Italian national team, but we just adopt people anyway. We've got about four Brazilians in there. <laughs> There's bound to be an Argentinian in there as well. So it doesn't doesn't matter if they're actually Italian. We, we claim them all anyway. And do you, do you support um, Italy rather than England? Yeah, I do. I was um, we got I had my wedding on New Year's Eve and we just got the videos back and it just reminded me the um, part of my speech was I introduced I sort of tried to introduce the two cultures together and there was a very virtual moment where I said um, and speaking to the Italians now also known as the champions of Europe and just half the room like were absolutely delirious and the other half were just they just didn't look at me again for the rest of the speech saying that in front of your father-in-law like I just feel like that that's a it's a risky day to pull that kind of that kind of nonsense (laughs) also we're getting married on New Year's Eve you're all welcome uh... wow (laughs) I'd love that because we struggle now because we're getting on a bit and it's like, what should we do New Year's Eve? Oh, watch Jules Holland again because we've got <laughs> no friends anymore. And uh, but, uh, so that would be great. Oh, it was yeah, it was a, it was a good old party. Even uh, despite my uh, my attempts at being funny, it went off without a hitch. To be fair, but um, yeah, always Italy, and that's why I don't know. I, I it's it's to a floor as well because I celebrate as hard as I do when we win and then I just go as low as possible. We don't qualify for the World Cup again, so you know, at least at least you're making it to the World Cup, lads. So you know. <laughs> do, you have, do you have pineapple on a pizza? Oh, never, never. <laughs> it's offensive. He's an honourable man. That's what, it hurt me when I said Nando's or Bello Italia earlier. That hurt me. That's not an Italian restaurant. That's a, that's just some horrible chain of well, crappy you asked, food. You asked the question. I, 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 yeah, I know. I, I wrote the question you. as well. <laughs> I agree with you. He's, he's a difficult lad at heart. Don't worry. Pizza so Express is nice though, right? Nice. I've got I've got this theory that I've been peddling. I was like, you either want a proper proper Italian pizza, or you want like a Pizza Express or a nine or a Domino's or a pizza. It's not the same craving. Hang you on a sec, me? though. Pete, 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 I would say that Domino's, Papa John's and Pizza Hut are mm. all sort of, you know, American bastardized versions of pizza. Whereas Pizza Express, a little bit more authentic. Or, At least it tries, or, yeah. Or, I'm asking an Italian here, so I'm probably getting it all wrong, yeah. but a little bit more authentic or <laughs> no. not at all? Yeah, it tries. It's just not enough cheese for me. I want I want more cheese. All they right. put the smallest amount of cheese on their pizzas and it. it's just horrible, but... I, I can't. Ash, I can't where, where, where are you from in Italy? Uh, a little park called Enfield in North London. <laughs> <laughs> the reason, I've heard of it. The reason <laughs> I, great pizza there. Yeah, great the pizza best. They've got a <laughs> going up in the world. A whole other level. No, I, th- I, uh, I, I, went, I went to, um, to near Naples uh, a few years ago on holiday. Oh, oh, and their pizzas are like stretched thin to the top to the thinnest level and they don't put that much cheese on it it's it's very 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 simple but it was delicious so i'm surprised that the lack the lack of cheese is your issue speaking as a frenchman that seems odd i'm I'm an odd guy i'm a very odd guy um i'm gonna get into french cuisine now no we don't we don't have time that's a whole other podcast (laughs) steve that's 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 the return leg you've won this one that's the return Well, uh, just before uh, just before we let you go, Steve, just it's worth a mention that there's uh, you might have seen it doing the rounds on Twitter that we um, we sadly lost the um, young lady named Ashley far too soon. So if you're at the game this Saturday, anybody's listening, 
Um, I think there's there's plans for an applause in the 39th minute and I think everybody and, and the family would really appreciate it if we could all join in on that and obviously our condolences do go out to uh, to her brother Ross and and to the family at large. Um, but having said that, let's go. Who who will we play? Anyway, it's Brighton, isn't it? Yeah. FA Cup. Any uh, expectations on winning or doing anything in that game? Go on, Jules. Well, it's a rare moment because our other sort of podcast contributor called Jim has a loathing of Brighton and won't let us praise them in any respect. So I'm going to take his absence as an opportunity to say I really like Brighton. I think they, I think they play really good football um, and they've got a very good defence and kind of very effective style. My gut instinct, though, is that we're fully rested and I just think we've got the firepower where provided we put out the first choice eleven. I think that we'll, um, we'll we'll be able to do them over. So I'm hoping for a bit of cup magic because um, that's where the rest of the fun for the season for me is uh, is going to be. How about you? Well, I, I would say, uh, well, first of all, the fun. No, the fun's going to be getting top four. We talked about that earlier, sure. <laughs> um, you know, look, the, 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 and then plus we, you know, we'll beat Brighton if we or if we do, and then we'll get you know whoever else in the next round, and then it gets the quarterfinals. All the top teams will be there. We might get a lucky uh, team. And then, of course, the semi-final will be Chelsea, Man City, <laughs> Liverpool and us. And, you know, and it's like then it, and, and then Conte will pick a weird team again, uh, you know, Galini in goal or something like that. Um, yeah, so th- that's, that's the way it is. You know, I, I, you know I, I pray for the day that we get a Wigan in a semi final and a Hull in the final, or Aston Villa <laughs> to, uh, managed by Tim Sherwood in the final, like Arsenal <laughs> did for their first couple. Um, you know, no credit for the for the other ones they won, but um, <laughs> and uh, again, no mention of the Portsmouth uh, one that we mucked up. But uh, you know, we keep playing Chelsea, don't we? So to me, I don't know. Um, if we go out, you know, I, I listen to the Arsenal podcast, so you don't have to. And uh, <laughs> what, the, what, what, uh, what they're saying, they're absolutely loving it at the moment. They're like, we've got 17 games, no distractions, uh, you know, play every Saturday. And, and they're loving it. They're, they're really looking forward to it. In fact, one of, one of the guys said um, in the transfer window, they said uh, what we need to be preparing for is top four. Uh, we need to prepare for Champions League next year. And the other guy went, yeah, you're right. Yeah, that's what we need to prepare. We need to prepare because we're going to get top four. So we need to prepare for that. And I was like, what? You're preparing? <laughs> they've got, they've got about you're 10 rubbish. players in their squad now, haven't they? <laughs> you are rubbish. I mean, I, I think it's down to us and Man United. Uh, luckily, Man United are still in the Champions League. Uh, West Ham, yeah. you know, I think uh, I've had a half-decent season. But again... The sycophantic people got banging on about West Ham. I mean, I switched on Talksport the other day. It doesn't matter apparently if they they fall out the top four, if they get fifth or sixth. They've had a brilliant season anyway. Do you remember when we had a half decent season after years in the wilderness? I believe we came third. Um, and we had a pretty good season and, you know, we lost out, lost out to Leicester. But what were we? Bottlers. And we've never yeah. been anything but. Uh, you know, not the fact that we've had finally had a decent season after 25 years of absolute rubbish. Uh, anyway, I'm, I'm a bit of a rant here. Um, uh, I think we'll win 2-1. There we go. Ash? Nice. Uh, yeah, <laughs> not, nothing as, uh, as insightful as that or, or um, but I just... We're um we've got a full full strength squad back, haven't we? Sonny's back, Romero's back, and 
yeah, we I want top four, but I want a trophy. I'm desperate for a trophy. It's not my I, I I watch Tottenham for the moments, for the little moments because there aren't enough big moments. You got to take the little moments. But I I want one. Like I'm due a trophy. I've been loyal enough as it is, for goodness sake. Despite <laughs> my earlier admission of wanting to be a United fan. <laughs> I, um, I, yeah, I, I think, think, I think I at the moment it, a trophy would be wonderful, but um, uh, it, it, it's just that extra little caveat of being in the Champions League. And, and when Roy Keane said, uh, who's going to join Tottenham if they're not in the Champions League? Um, you know, he had a point and, uh, and, you know, and he spat it and he said it in a, you know, obnoxious Spurs are rubbish way, which he always does. Although sometimes he said he supported Spurs as a kid. Uh, but when he's, you know, it's Tottenham lads and all that rubbish. Um, probably true, actually, back in the 90s when he when he played. <laughs> but um, he's right. We've got to get in that Champions League. Um, so, you know, I, I, I'm desperate. I'm desperate to get back in the Champions League just so we can sit in the summer on a sunbed, chatting to the person next to us. All right, mate, who do you support? You know, West Ham. All right. I'm a Spurs fan. And, you know, West Ham fans, oh, we've your had a brilliant Steve. season, haven't we? You've bottled it again. And you go, yeah, well, Champions League draws in a couple of days and all that. Mind you, we still get called butlers. Yeah, <laughs> you can't escape it. <laughs> Just on that, do you know the song Battered Song? Yeah. I reckon, first of all, we should own that song. 100%. But secondly... If we sing, instead of Tottenham get battered everywhere they go, just change the they to we. So you go, Tottenham get battered everywhere we go. So the away fans are singing it, and it cha- changes the word battered from a from a football thing to a celebratory drinking thing. Yeah. And therefore, therefore, Tottenham get battered everywhere we go because we're drinking to celebrate. Get it? Yeah, that's yeah, it. Well. I want at the at the weekend. I want to see everyone singing out. I want to see pints getting thrown up in the air like it's the World Cup. Let's yeah. uh, let's get on it. Fen is going to heartily approve of that, isn't he? Like, <laughs> no, I think he already has. You might have already yeah, say, He's been he's been living your uh, your mantra for a while, Steve. Uh, the extra Who's podder, that? So the uh, our third podder um, of the, of the four, as it were. He's yeah. uh, how how Ash and I got the usual host. How Ash and I got to know each other, and the man just lives for his beer. So if anyone would approve of that, it is Fen. Oh, lovely. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, thanks uh, a lot for coming on, Steve. It's been an absolute pleasure on you, and you're welcome back any time. Cheers, well, listen, thank, thanks ever so much for me having, having me on. Uh, I absolutely love doing these podcasts. It's, it's, it's brilliant. We, we started around the same time as um, uh, Flav and the boys uh, listening to um, uh, uh, Tottenham, Tottenham Fancast, I was on that a couple of times as well, and uh, a Spurs show, of course. And they, I know that Flav says that they decided to go one way, which was make it more laddy. I wanted to take it the other way, which was make it more of a, a, a family show, um, something you can listen to with the kids on the way up to the ground. And we've been we've been doing it ever since. We we had a little we had, we had a little break when I became a little bit disillusioned with it all, and uh, and uh, but we're back now and and doing the shows and it's brilliant. And listen, we we do this thing. We did it during lockdown, which is called My Spurs Journey, um, which is uh, a list of about ten questions. Uh, some of the some quirky ones, not not like what's your favourite sauce, but uh, <laughs> you know, like like uh, which which player do you defend and uh, you know and everybody hates things like that. And you boys have got to come on that. Um, obviously we'll, we'll probably do it in the off season. 
uh, as the Americans say, um, because uh, you know we, we talk about the games up until uh, up until then. But please come on, I'll, I'll, we'll get in touch and uh, we'll get your Spurs journeys. How about that? Sounds fantastic. Yeah, sounds sounds amazing. Um, so yeah, to our, our one listener out there, if you could also listen to uh, the Hot Spurs podcast, that'd be fantastic. I'm sure we have a great we've got, time. We've got two, me and Colin. So. <laughs> ah, nice. <laughs> when did you boys start well, this one? Uh, last the start of last season, wasn't it? Now, so we've been going for a little bit. Not, not, yeah, year, year, not and, year and a half. Year and a half, I'd say. Yeah, that's brilliant. Brilliant. The more, the more the merrier. Not a problem. That's it. Exactly. That's it. Um, don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter at cock and ball underscore pod, and you can also find us on Facebook and on Instagram. Welcome back to part two of the Cock and Ball podcast uh, for our weekly look at all things Spurs and the time it takes you to walk from Seven Sisters to White Hot Lane. Um, for part two today, um, I've got I've got with me two Italian stallions, very very different men. Um, first, we've got. Uh, a man uh, with his very own Adrian, uh, as of recent news, uh, with an iron chin. Uh, that is until he's given a shot of whiskey and five Moretti's. Uh, how you doing, Ash? <laughs> my chin's fine. It's my stomach. That's the problem. Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> one and the same as far as a uh, friend would say. If you can't, can't hold your beer, then you're, then you're screwed. Um, and and joining, joining us a very different kind of Italian stallion, a man equally as tough, uh, but a man... Perhaps less Rocky too, and more the party at Kitty and Studs uh, for a true reference back into 80s porn culture there. Uh, Chris, how are you doing? <laughs> uh, not too bad, guys, yourself? <laughs> all good, all good. I mean, I've got the Rona, so Ash has heard me moaning about it already, but all is well. Um, and it's just this weird, it, I wouldn't mind having Corona and having to stay in if there was football to watch. But it is a bit weird, isn't it? <laughs> having this like blank period in life. AFCON not doing it for you. Mate, I, the highlights are fine, but even the fact it's, it's going to be FA Cup at the weekend just doesn't fill me with joy or excitement. I mean, who knows? May, maybe it'll be a great game against Brighton, um, but I don't know. Yeah. Right now, I need some good football. <laughs> the transfer window not do it for you. I'm not just like constantly scrolling down the uh, Twitter feed waiting for an update. Mate, tra- transfer window always does it for me. You know that. I'm, I'm almost more interested in the in in the tactics and the strategy than anything else. So, <laughs> so, so, so let's get to it. And I'm delighted we've got you here, Chris, as our our Syria Syria uh, uh, correspondent uh, joining for the day because we have two brilliant incomings. Um, so Kudaseski joined and Bentaker joined, both from Juve. Um, obviously I've I've done kind of the numbers on on these guys, but Chris, what's your what's your gut feeling about them? Uh, what what can you tell us about about these two? Oh, both technically very gifted players, uh, both dual-footed, um, both very elegant on the ball. Um, but what I will say as a quick disclaimer for, for Spurs fans, mm. uh, they're both not great goal scorers in terms of their record. But can they score? Yes. But their record may not seem that. They do a lot more in the build-up of play, which we really need. Um, mm. That's where I'm excited to actually, can we get the ball to to Kane in the right areas rather than Kane having to pass to someone else? Um, but yeah, both very exciting talents, both very young, but at the same time accomplished. Yeah, uh, I think that, I mean, they're both, I've heard good things about both of them whenever I've seen, in particular Kudaseski play, I, I was a big fan of him and I think he seems to carry the ball really well between lines and we haven't had the ability to break lines or, or as you say, 
load the chamber almost for for our forwards to to pull the trigger um in the last couple of years um what what do you make of the mash have you seen much of them yeah i've seen i've seen a bit i can't be honest and i can't say that i've seen loads um mostly could have seen for the sweden squad uh squad and obviously he's far more inf- influential for them than he is or he was at juve so, you know pain in a, a a lot of people are picking up his stats from his time at juve but um he was it was more of the off the bench impact he didn't really start that many games and that like i said when we were talking with steve that juve team was not a great team it was just it's been had issues for the last two managers it's, it's really incoherent so it's not really fair to judge him on those and um i, I think if you want to have a real feel of kolesevsky then you need to look back at his time at parma and like I said, his time in the Sweden squad. What I'm really excited about with Kulisevsky is, like like you said, we haven't had any ball carriers, anyone who can progress the game forward. And that's led a lot of, well, that's led Kane to sit deep. And obviously, pundits all around the world have been saying Kane needs to be in the box. But we haven't had, we, if, he, if Kane at Tottenham stayed in the box, we'd never fucking get past the halfway line. Let's be <laughs> <laughs> it would be so shit. But with Bentenker in there, he's... um. He's not the quickest, but he's very nimble on his feet, and um, he's he's just a bastard to get off the ball. He's so broad; it's like trying to get around the bus. Like he's a, uh, it would just <laughs> it would just push you out the way. I don't know how was um, I, I don't know if you've seen more of Benfica. I know you were uh, you're pretty keen on Serie A yourself, there, Jules. Yeah, I've I've seen bits of him, and I've I've always thought he looks like that lanky bastard in centre mid who you just can't seem to sort of get away from. Because as soon mm. as you think you're you're finally free of him, one of those long legs wraps around, nicks the ball out of your way. Um, no, he seems like a good player. I, I I sort of he just seems like a good solid all round midfielder. But it is hard to judge when, as you say, Juve have had one of the most dysfunctional midfields for about seven years of any top club. Um, but Kudasesco, I think you're right. I think when he's at Parma, 10 goals, 8 assists. He was the young player of the year in the division that year. Um, and then obviously Atalanta, born and bred. And I'd say if Conte was to pick up a, a club and say, oh, I want your players. <laughs> at, 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 Atalanta tend to be, they run, you know, huge distances, very aggressive press, and they're very bold and kind of uh, uh, progressive. So I don't know. But is, is that fair, uh, do you think, Chris, that, that, that yeah. maybe he's the right style? If you look at Kluwerski uh, or Kulu, should we say, because I can't pronounce the full name. <laughs> um, but yeah, if you look at his time at Palmer, where he won the Young Player of the Year, he was absolutely sensational. Mm. He, he played slightly on the right. He played as an attacking midfielder. There's even times he played box-to-box midfielder. He's got his six foot one. He's not small. He's not scared to use his shoulders um, and his elbows as well. Um, what I've seen, the progression I've seen from him is before he was that ball carrier. Um, now he's really developed playing off the one touch, playing a lot more quick football. Um, mm. What I like from him as well, which I don't think we see a lot in our team, is if we've got it on one side of the pitch, we seem to have to go round the back three and start again. Well, he's got that vision to to switch the ball, which we haven't been doing for a while. Um, I think Benteke is a lot easier. Um, to look at his stats um, in the terms of what you need to remember is take away the last two managers and go back mm. to Juventus's three years where they won the league in a row. Yeah. The first two, he was absolutely instrumental in the first two. Mm-hmm. He combined everything in that Juve squad. You think this this guy, young boy, 
has kept out the likes of Ramsey, Rabiot, great players with great potential, and he's managed to convince the managers to play him, and he was brilliant. Third one, he wasn't great, but he wasn't that poor either. And then mm. you can't really judge him when the whole team's been absolutely terrible. Um, but yeah, both really great players. Um, I'm really excited to see Kulu develop. Um, and Bentaker, I think he's just going to come straight in and be a massive upgrade. Um, the way he plays, he's very smart, as you say. Um, he picks up the holes in front of the back four to get the ball off them just as well as he, he finds the right gap and knows when to come into the box late, which we don't get from our midfield. They go hiding. Mm. Um, yeah. He's, he's literally everything we thought Winks was going to be. <laughs> well, <laughs> if you get, we if have you to get, get Winks digging there. Don't no, we? no. <laughs> what I mean, Winks, Winks, has, Winks has been decent, but what I meant is yeah. when we first saw Winks, um, especially in Real Madrid, he was picking the ball up in the right gaps. He mm. was finding the space to, to pass the ball, whereas now you go back to that that City game especially where he's hiding behind the Bruyne instead of finding the gap um, I think Benzico is brilliant at that he's very smart um, and I think what we need to remember they come from Serie A where you get a lot more touches of the ball it's more of a possession game and I think it will suit us massively and then with Kulu I just want to see him if he adds goals to his game sensational his actual Palmer manager said to him uh, said that he's the next Mo Salah so Let's not get ahead of ourselves, oh. but that, if you're getting linked to that kind of player, then that's a start yeah. from there. He's, he's he's a brilliant player, and I, I also think Kulu, as you call him, um, I think one of his big strengths is that he's one of our first players in a long time who would say his preferred position is on the right. Like I feel like all of our forward players would prefer to slant over to the left of the pitch, like Son and Bergbein and Mora are all right-footers would cut in off that flank, and even Hill was a left footer, but he preferred the left flank. He was an orthodox winger, wasn't he? So yeah. it, it's the first time we've had someone who will, who will say, yeah, that's my area of the pitch. Um, I, I'm going to play devil's advocate on one thing because on paper, they're both young, 21 and 24. They both have big club experience. They both have like good value for money. Um, should we be at all concerned that even though Conte has chosen players who are very much, they're, they're very Conte style, right? For the kind of football, for the physicality, we have gone back to his old club where Paratici was in charge and basically given them 60 million euros. Is that at all concerning for you both? No. No. If it was, listen, if it was the, the summer, right, and we'd got to the, it was the same story where there was links to a couple of players, but they never really came to anything. And then on the last day, we thought, fuck it, we'll try and nick some Juve players. I'd be very concerned. I'd be very, very concerned. But um, it's like it's been known for years and years and years, and it seems to take everyone by surprise every single year when someone comes out and says January's a bastard of a window. Like we know it's just an opportunistic mm. window. Like <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like it's just it's never it's never a window you can really plan for because um, clubs don't want to lose players in the middle of the season. And mm. even less likely to do it now because of this, the finances are still affected by COVID. So if they lose a player now, they probably can't replace him. So they'd probably, probably rather wait till the summer when they've got a bit more time to try and find another deal. So no, I don't. And I don't. I don't really care where they came from, as long as they're good players that are in positions that we need and, and they fit the system. And that's exactly what they are. 
And Chris? What I'd add to that is, well, let's not forget, it's a World Cup year. So players are either going to move because they want to play or they're not moving at all. So deals are harder to be made. Um, Also, I'd add the two boys that have come in, um, one was a starter, 100%, and the other one was only kept out because of Diabala, Ronaldo. They were trying to fit so many front three in that when he did come in, he did quite well. And also, this boy has got always got one of the highest stats for distance covered. Yeah, he travels miles. Uh, does Kulu? Um, had we had we spent it on the likes of Bernadeschi, who's not played even mm. less games than him? Had we spent it on Western McKenney, who I don't rate highly? Um, then yeah, I would have been a bit more concerned. But the two boys that come in. I think we've got Benzema at an extremely cheap price. Oh, yeah. Um, so, listen, at the end of the day, if you're a Tesco shopper, you're a Tesco shopper. If you go to Aldi, <laughs> Aldi. Um, you, you shop from where you know. He knows the play is there, especially in January. Let's go for it. Um, yeah. And then, had this been Diabala, would we be having the same conversation or he's gone back to Juventus? Well, I, I, I thought Diabala, for me, is sort of falls into the Griezmann category of like, clearly very gifted player but you don't want to get lumbered with that contract for a guy at that age of his career where you're going to get no return and in that respect I do look at these so I'm like there is something sensible in that they're 21 and 24 I, I think the value for money seems fair and it could also be there's two ways to read it either one we've gone back and we've you know uh, been suckered in a bit um or two you know they needed to raise quick cash to get that deal over the uh, over the line for Vlavic and they looked at players who maybe they didn't want to sell, but they could get good cash for. Mm. And so they've been forced into it because they really wanted that player. So maybe we've, we've, we've done a great piece of business. And let's not add like we're the only club that wanted those two players. Like mm. Ben Finker was linked with Villa for ages before we went in. And I can guarantee that there would have been a host of big clubs that wanted Kulisewski. I like, because he's... I, I like how, I like how Benzko looked at Aston and was like, nah, you're all right. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I don't know what part Turin, of uh, Turin for, for Aston that's a fairly big yeah, downgrade no, I'm not no sure offense, what part of Uruguay is from but I was going yeah. to say we're, we're, we're back on the, the our sort of standard uh, cock and ball message here of just uh, having a go at rural towns in Midland England so maybe maybe a risky maybe it's a exclusively risky. rural <laughs> that's, that's true we don't care if, it, if it's a shithole it's a shithole we'll call it um, <laughs> And, and on that and on that note, we'll we'll move swiftly on because I think we're Actually, lots before of... we do, yeah, before we do, I just like I'm glad we we waited to record today for for the purpose of the listener. We recorded on uh, today's Thursday the third, whereas with Steve we did it on Wednesday the day before because. Um, but I had the cheer. Did you see the video he did for Spurs TV? No, I haven't seen it. Okay, well, basically he's uh, they asked him about the signings and he explained he. Described Ben Finker as a, a, a well-rounded box-to-box player. He can do it all. So um, I just wanted to know what you guys thought, how these two fit into the team. Are we going 4-3? Are we sticking with the 3-4-3? Three, three? Are we going 3-5-2? Maybe 3-2 and then Kulisewski in like a 10 behind Son and Kane? What are your thoughts on how, how they affect the system? For me, it gives him that ability to, to go between the two formations. Um, you've got Kulu that can play more central and be that number 10. Um, but I think he's going to utilise him more as because Kane seems to be doing well. He's not dropping as deep, but he's still dropping at the right time. 
Um, and at the moment, we've got just Bergwijn getting past him, where with Kulu, if he gets him right, we could be getting two past him, because let's be honest, Lucas does things okay, but he never gets really behind the striker. He does never have a plan to his football either. No, it's just... he, he, <laughs> he seems to wind him up and let him go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think it gives him that ability to play t- uh, both because um, Ben Zakur can play in a two like he has been. He's also yeah. played in a three where he plays a bit more central and a bit deeper. Um, I don't think it says anything about how we're going to play. It just gives him that free ability to pick between the two for me. I, I'd, I'd agree with that. I also think a lot of very good coaches now at the top level talk about formation with the ball, formation without the ball. And I could see it being a 3-5-2 where Kudoseski tucks in as one of the three midfielders on the wide side uh, when we when we don't have the ball and he shuffles and waits for the opportunity where if, if the loose ball comes, he can pick it up and drive. Well, and then when we've got the ball more, yeah, and then when we've got the ball more, he'll be able to push forward. He can drift out to the right to overlap with the wing back. Like I, I think he he to me seems like the the really interesting piece of the jigsaw. I think Bentico is just going to be a clear upgrade on on a, a normal centre mid. Like he's yeah. he's just yeah, a yeah. very rounded good centre mid, isn't he? And for twenty million quid, it given we've got issues in centre mid, um, it's well worth doing. So uh, let's let's talk about those issues in centre mid, shall we? Because we've we've got a few of them out the door, um, mm. which is nice. Um, before we get on to the outgoings, which I guess we're we're happy to wave off into the distance and frankly give them a little push as we send them out the door. Um, <laughs> let let's let's talk about the one emotional outgoing where I, I feel a really deep sense of loss right now. Um, mm. De- Delhi, lovely lovely Delhi. Let's not go into the emotional. The player's Can been you... poor. He had to go. Simple. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm going to say, listen, guys, no, I'm going no to say thank you, okay, because he, he worked really well. But when the time's right, you've got to go. Same with managers. Um, yeah. The difference between Ferguson and Wenger, Ferguson went at the right time. Wenger didn't. And same, no... same for me. Yeah, thank you no... very much. But... <laughs> It's time. It's time to I, go. I respect. But it's, no, it's, it's not. It's not exclusive though. Like you don't have. You can. You can both appreciate that it's time to go, but also feel a little bit. A little bit dead inside. Yeah, not dead inside. Not. That might be a bit harsh. That's but a, bit a little bit sad far. because if you look at all the the great moments over the last. Okay, five. Not a lot. Excluding the last two years, five years before that. If you look at all our moments, like Delhi was at the heart of so much of it. Like. Beating, beating uh, Chelsea at the bridge with those two headers, doing it again at the lane, knock, um, beating Arsenal at their place with that ridiculous lob goal against Czech. His uh, assist for um, Lucas Moura for AX without even knowing where Lucas was. Like, it's just... And I, I feel as much as the loss of him leaving Tottenham, as but, but more so him losing that his potential that he had if that makes sense uh, it's, it feels like such a shame such yeah. a loss the hurt not not as in not as in we've lost his potential as in he's lost it like mm. it's just a shame that he well, hasn't who take, achieved who takes that responsibility why did no one have this energy with the likes of Balotelli yeah. this is what I'm trying Delhi lost it himself the way I see <sighs> Delhi after going back at to it when did he lose it when Ericsson left Ericsson didn't get this yeah. massive goodbye that Delhi's getting yet Ericsson was the instrument to everything good we did 
but I, but, but I think that's also partly because Ericsson did go at the right kind of time where it was perhaps le- like he, he didn't the Delhi has unfortunately been with us as we've kind of declined so our, yeah. we are we're tinged with anger and sadness whereas Ericsson went at a time when we were still kind of pretending everything was okay as the house was, was on fire but I think I think the bigger thing for me with Delhi like I'll be honest with you, Chris. I've been listening to "Wherever You Will Go" by The Calling and like being absolutely gutted uh, about him going. Like, like for me, I'm I don't know. Don't be sad that it's over. Be happy that it happened. Like I'm with I'm with Ash. I think he gave us some of the best memories I've I've got of Spurs yeah. were Delhi at the heart of it, and he epitomised everything that we loved about that Pochettino era. Like the spikiness, the shithousery, the the ability, the clutch moment. Delhi was an absolute clutch performer. And I'm just what's... sad of all the sandwich shop puns that we're going to miss out on now. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, I honestly think we, we, you know, it's not often that you get to say you bought a lad from League One and you, you, you had him in the in the Bernabeu scoring, you know, against Real Madrid. The reason Delhi really started to decline is that we started to play him further and further away from goal, which didn't suit the skill set, right? Like because we never replaced Dembele, and that forced him. Or, yeah, or Ericsson. We took away his supply line and we asked him to track back into left back when, you know, that wasn't where he was good. And then the reality is he seems like a really loved member of the squad, someone who's clearly a really positive character. He's given his all for the club. I don't ever feel like, even this season when he hasn't played well, he's the, he's been covering, you know, the most comps per game of anyone. He he puts in a shift. But you can't pass the ball. You mean to tell me it's not because he coloured his hair like all those weird slapheads want to tell me on Twitter? That's the reason why. Or doing too much. That's not it, no? But but this is why it's stupid. The the reality of Delhi is we bought this kid from League One and we made him into a superstar. And unfortunately, it didn't work out the way that that we hoped. But a lot of my favourite memories of Tottenham in the last 10 years will be be linked with him. And he was the last kind of the best representation now of like what was left of that that Pochettino era so no in my I, view, I understand where you boys are coming from and I'm not not that I'm not grateful but how many times are we going to see this in our in our lives where fans come and go like we lost Ledley earlier than he should have ever gone um, yeah. we lost Gaza we lost Lineker there's been so many great players but we we sort of we support the club as much as we support players. Um, yeah. And if the time's right, unfortunately, we've just got to take the emotion out of the, out of the game because this could be the best thing for Ellie, uh, for Delhi. Um, but I just don't see how he's going to fit unless Lampard comes out with something. The boy just can't pass the football. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I, I think he'll, he'll play off Calvert-Lewin. And he'll probably go on and actually do quite well for a few years. And I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing. If but, they keep him off the ball and get him getting into the box, he's good at instinct finishing. He knows yeah. his instinct finishing's good. Give him time on the ball, give him something to think about, and he's poor. And and that's where I, I think, you know, for Delhi, it's the right kind of club. It's the right kind of setup. I think he's got a manager who clearly, you know, knows how that role works, given he was very good at himself and 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 will give him the chance i think as you say chris from a business point of view you step away and you go good money smart sell right time to get the player out the door and i've and i and you're absolutely right you support the club first and foremost i just know for me personally 
It, yeah, it, it's it, hard, Jules. I get that. It was as, hard. As well, if you got think about the deal, if he hits all the targets that were agreed in the deal, mm. would you ever thought that you would have you would have got forty million for Delhi? No, I was thinking half that. I did. I'd, I'd like even twenty. I'd think where he's performing, and do you know when it comes to Delhi, if I'm thinking of it as a as I support the players as well. Like mm. my concern about Delhi right now is if he doesn't make it at Everton, this could be his last shot at the Premier League. Yeah. And that's, and that, that, and that that feeling coming away from being a Tottenham fan is is yeah, I'm a bit gutted. But at the same time, the boy's got to take some responsibility and and because when we needed him, yeah, he worked hard, but working hard is not good enough. It's no, not good enough. Know. And that's where you define a great player to a good player. Amen. I, d- I think I think that's fair. I think moving on from a player who there's a lot of emotional pent up about to players who there's absolutely no emotional pent up <laughs> about. Um, we, we we have got out the door on loan deals to start with, um, and Dombele and and Giovanni Lo Celso. Ash, how do you feel about these two? And do you think that they represent? mistakes in terms of the club's strategy or was it a case that we rolled the dice it came up short but you do the same thing again I, th- I think I've said it before at the time we signed them was at a time we were looking at uh, with Pochettino going into the slump because Ericsson had left and Dembele had sort of fallen apart and we'd gone right we need we need someone to replace those two players and on the face of it those two look like the perfect players to replace them based on the performances they had at Leon and um, who was it? Real Betis. Real Betis, respectively, yeah. Mm. So I think there's a lot of revisionism going back now, looking back, saying how, how bad they were and just the worst signs in the history. But at the time, they made perfect sense. What didn't make sense was getting rid of Pochettino, who was a win the ball high up the pitch and try and score as quick as you can. Or, or, you know, have a bit of expansive, quick football to let's get 10 players behind the ball and hope Kane does something magic in a fucking dinosaur. That's Mourinho. I think that's <laughs> that's where that really didn't help. I'm not saying the players are excused of any sort of blame because it's obvious that Numbele didn't apply himself fully. And he, that's, he's, he is responsible for not reaching his potential at the club. And Lachelso, he he looked great for six months. That's why we we took up his buy option early because he did look great. And he was he was pretty much our midfield for that first six months he was at the club. And then he got injured and never looked the same. Never looked as interested. Couldn't keep. Couldn't stay fit. So it's just uh, yeah. Sometimes it just doesn't. Transfers are so fucking hard. Like there's there's, <laughs> there's not many clubs that consistently get transfers right. Like. I think I, th- anyway, I think look like, at Barcelona and Juve for fuck's sake. I think it's funny because I I don't look at if I was if they if these were like normal jobs right and people were applying with a CV. I think mm. if you got the Ndombele CV for that like holding mid role, you'd be like perfect skill set, strong, exceptional dribbler, receives the ball well under pressure, right age profile, and all the right signs of other big clubs sniffing around him. So Ndombele, I I agree, it's just one of those ones where you didn't know he was going to be a lazy bastard and not apply himself and not not have the right mentality. Lo Celso, I, I, I felt a bit odd about at the time because I wasn't sure what he was. But both of them, as you say, Ash, I, I think we shouldn't be revisionistic. We should recognise if that opportunity comes up again to get a 40, £45 million centre mid or holding mid because we think they're the right player, 
then we should do it. We should we, we shouldn't let this tar our uh, um, no. our sort of approach. And I'm I'm glad that we've been more ruthless than we've ever been. Like Tottenham historically have been really shitty at getting players out and getting players out at the right time because we just want so much money for them. But mm. this is that real ruthless streak that we need to to this is back in Conte. He didn't want those players. Those players are gone at the first possible opportunity. Mm. Um, and I mean, we've got fucking we've got a mixture of like grown ass men and naive fucking kids on Twitter, like just bitching. <laughs> I, I say Twitter because I, I live in the middle of nowhere. So this is my only like I was going to say uh, only access to real. Yeah, I was going to say access to real life. But it's not real at all, is it? But mate, they, you, like, mate, you don't you don't live in like the hut in the street of Harry Potter. <laughs> like, it's not like Hagrid's coming I might to as well. tell you the news. I might as well. But yeah, like they're just like whinging over the fact that we've um, trimmed our squads. That we've got we don't seem to have that many players. But we've got other than striker, we have two players per position, and that's what Conte wants, and that's what Conte has always only only ever wanted because he doesn't like a bloated squad. He's never worked with a bloated squad. You you have you have two players per position, and then you got you got youth prospects that fill in the bench when if if you're desperate. That's how it works. But also. What is the point of having the Chelsea, Delhi and, and Dombele around if they're not even going to contribute? And when, when they're not contributing, whether they're, even if they're being fine on the training ground, even if they're, you know, they're just getting on with it or whatever, they're not adding to the atmosphere that you want in that changing room because it's just not going to happen because they're only human. And if they're not playing, they're not happy. So it's just... Just get rid of them. Just get them gone. We've got enough players. It's only striker that we look light on, and you're not going to get a striker in, in January um, unless you're fucking Juventus or whatever, and you've got a deal that's been wrapped up realistically for about a year and a half. That you've only just <laughs> started, decided to get over the line. But um, yeah, he, yeah. So it's fine. Stop, stop whinging. It's fine. Like it's stop, we've got we're, better, we're, we're in a better position now than we were. I like I like our marketing approach to potential listeners of the podcast. Stop whinging. <laughs> um, Chris, one one final or other two final thoughts. We also got out a couple of youngsters uh, on loan. Um, Clark went out on loan. Yep. Um, so did Nile John. Um, again, do you, would you agree with Ash? These are just smart moves of getting players out the door. They need to get first team football. We're being more clinical, perhaps more close to Chelsea and model. But is that going to help the players? In terms of Nile John. Um, I'd agree. I don't recall him being on a loan before. No, it's his first, first, first one. So for him, it would be I think good. he came and recommended to Charlton, yeah. didn't he? From um, what's his face? His name just gets my mind Chris now. Powell. Who's that's the one, Chris Powell? Yeah. So that's a good um, move as well that he's got that that yeah. link. And Jack Clark needed it, I think. Bringing Harvey White, who's now that had that experience in the lower ranks, let's agree, a lot more physical and a lot more dirty in the sense that players will give anything into tackles um harvey white i'm quite interested to see i don't think he's going to get many minutes but he's a good option um and i think it'll give Nile john that exposure that players have to have Um, and that's why i kind of like the the format in other countries where you've got b teams in actual leagues i don't think it'll work in this country because we've got far too many good lower league teams but they tried they tried with the premier league too but essentially it was the same players playing the same team yeah um from the previous so-called reserves um but they need to go out and experience um so i think it's great moves for them um and 
their development at the end of the day what's the point staying there if they don't if they go on loan we'll see what they're made of and if they can do it um we saw with the likes of Jonathan Abiko who was at the club till he was like 23 I believe constantly going on loans yeah. um, and never really made even Townsend anywhere. before he got in the first team he was on like hundreds of loans but essentially there's there's two schools of thought isn't there there's the Pochettino way which is I'd rather the young players stay with my with my quality coaches and my quality football players to learn off of the first team and then there's the other point of view which is they need to be playing and I, you can't I, I, replicate I match day experience I get that but so the uh, ones that played under Poch yeah. right, or got exposure and now gone because we yeah. found yeah. that they weren't good enough Walker Peters gone um, who else was it? Um, Dennis Serkin, gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, these are players that, yeah, he. If they're not good enough, you know from quite early. Um, yeah. The one I'm, the one I'm extremely happy that stayed. I don't think he's going to get a break, um, but we could potentially see is Alfie Devine. I think he's a brilliant talent and the best striker we've got in the youth ranks. Um, wow. The only one the I was a bit sad about <laughs> was uh, was about Dylan uh, Markanday. Mm. Um, but I think with him it was a different situation you can see him after now because he's in your neck of the woods he is in my neck of the woods now unfortunately he played his first game 20 minutes and he's out for the season yeah he hurt hurt himself but he's I mean he was he was a very talented player but he had six months left on his deal so I think he's he's kind of forced the move but I I I think with him as well Jules it's like a a Theo Walcott situation where he says he's a striker but his size doesn't say that and when yeah. it comes to realisation that he needs to play on the right or the left of a three, he may become the better player. So I'm excited to see what he does in the future. Um, but let's see. Let's see. And, and, and on that, we'll, we'll wrap up one final question, Chris, just while we, we got you on. Um, it was interesting. I did see one person tweet and I thought it was fair. Arsenal have like torpedoed their squad in, in this mu- last month. Um, United haven't signed anyone and obviously there, there's legal things going on with one of their players so that they're, they're, they're a player down we won't go into that for libelous reasons this, but let's not give them exposure exactly um and and I think other than that in terms of the race for the for the kind of for the top four if you look at us we've gotten rid of about four players who weren't playing and we've brought in two very good players do you feel more confident now than you felt at the start of January about our our sort of tilt for the top four I always thought top four was in our hands um, not just because of the games in hand. Um, I just think that that the position we're in, points on the board, um, and the teams we got left to play. Um, I know we've got Chelsea, Man City, um, and a few other big games, but we've got enough. I believe we've got eight out of 18 games. Historically, I think we need to win 10 to get to the points needed for top four. Yeah, um, and I think that was realistic anyway. And with the two additions coming in, you can only be positive. Um, but it all depends how quickly they, they integrate into the team. Um, but yeah, I think it's all in our hands and it's going to show if we're still the Tottenham melts or if we've uh, <laughs> or we've, got, or we've gone past that. Well, well fingers crossed. Um, and I think we'll, we'll wrap it up there for, for today. Um, I know we've also got Brighton on the weekend, so fingers crossed for that. Um, and then we'll we'll have a little pod in the chat maybe ahead of uh, ahead of Southampton next week so we'll review that then but until then enjoy your weekends come on your spurs at Brighton and uh, speak to you very soon cheers lads